Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray, as always, that you're doing well. And I know there's much uh, dis- uh, conversation um, over our Holy Father's new motu proprio, uh, totally abrogating, canceling Pope Benedict XVI's um, uh, Samorum um, Pontificum. Um, it's been a, a sad day. Um, most bishops have written to their diocese that they're going to take time to study it and uh, get counsel on what to do with it and all of that, and that all the Latin masses, the Tridentine masses, uh, should continue as normally uh, until they come to a conclusion. But there are a couple of bishops that have completely, instantly canceled all the Tridentine masses in their diocese. It is an awful, awful thing. Uh, in the United States, one particular bishop in England completely canceled them and yet approved an LGBTQ uh, parish and mass. It is um, as distressing as could be. Um, but again, our Lord is building his church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. We believe that uh, nothing happens that God does not allow. So we rest in him and what he's doing, what he's allowing to happen with his church, in his church. Um, God has only one uh, objective, and that's the salvation of souls. And so um, somehow uh, the church has gotten into the awful state that it is with um, more Catholics than not, so-called Catholics, not believing the faith. Uh, we need to do something about this, and I think God is letting this happen. Um, I came across just this morning, I've mentioned before, I have an online subscription to Crisis Magazine. Uh, I highly recommend them. And this morning, there's an article by a young man, a Steubenville graduate, called A Time for Anger. A Time for Anger. And um, many good holy souls like Taylor Marshall and and others, uh, cardinals and bishops, are saying, let's not be angry. Everything is, uh, we need to be sober and uh, be calm and grow in holiness and all of that, which I fully agree with. But because this is a time for anger um, by a young man named Clement Harold, it caught my eye. And I just read it this morning. I think it's utterly outstanding. And I'm going to read it to us. He writes in the 11th chapter of St. John's Gospel, we're told that Jesus wept over the death of his friend Lazarus. It is commonly believed this was simply our Lord expressing his grief. However, some scholars argue that our Lord's tears in this instance were an expression not just of grief, but of a holy and terrible rage. Twice in the text, twice the text observes 
that Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled, the same Greek phrase used to describe the rearing up of war horses before charging into battle. Jesus knew better than anyone the effects that the enemy has had in sundering and ruining the created order. Faced with the destruction of his father's beautiful creation and the death of his beloved friend Jesus was, wasn't just sorrowful, he was furious. <clears throat> in his account of anger, St. Thomas Aquinas notes that in the face of injustice, the lack of anger is a sign that the judgment of reason is lacking. This logic is something we find exemplified in the life of our Lord, not only at the tomb of Lazarus, but also in the temple with the money changers, in his exchanges with the Pharisees and before King Herod, with the advent late last week of the Holy Father's motu proprio, Traditionis Custodis, which translates guardians of the tradition, an Orwellian title, if ever there was one, we would do well to recall that holy rage which we find in the life of our Lord. For the blissfully uninformed, it should be noted that the new Vatican document serves as a sweeping crackdown on the public practice of the traditional Latin Mass. Now, I, I wanted to preface this by saying that the gentleman writing this article is not a traditionalist Catholic in the sense that he attends the traditional Latin Mass. He attends a Reverend Novus Auto Mass. He is the one writing this. <clears throat> Let me reread the last sentence here. Hold on now. For the blissfully uninformed, it should be noted that the new Vatican document serves as a sweeping crackdown on the public practice of the traditional Latin Mass with a particular eye to eliminating its usage among future priests. Done with solicitude for the whole church, the Holy Father's fait accompli was presented as an attempt to press on evermore in the constant search, in in his words, quote, to press on evermore in the constant search for ecclesial communion, end quote, from the Holy Father. A search, that is, uh, Clement goes on to say, a search, that is, which now entails the deliberate extirpation of the literal devotions of liturgical devotions of millions of traditionalist Catholics. The arrival of Traditionis Custodis is nothing less than a declaration of total war against traditionalist Catholics everywhere. Much more than that, however, it is a direct attack against all faithful Catholics of goodwill, regardless of our liturgical preferences. This is not just another trad issue. This is a Catholic issue and one which concerns all of us. Agitated and alarmed by the explosive growth in traditionalist circles, the Holy Father has deemed it necessary to intervene in a manner notably absent of the mercy, accompaniment, and synodality which he loves to preach. For a pontiff who criticizes traditionalists as rigid, 
Traditionis Custodis is a remarkably asperous document. I say all this, moreover, not as a, listen to this, I say all this, moreover, not as a regular attendee of the traditional Latin Mass, but simply as a young Orthodox Catholic, one who currently chooses to attend a reverently celebrated Novus Ordo. Under the facade of unity, Pope Francis has determined that those Catholics actually seeking to live out church teaching and uphold its traditions are ecclesial enemy number one. For eight years, his actions have pushed traditionalist Catholics to the margins, and now he has decided that the margins must be eliminated. In the obdurate pursuit of ideological uniformity, he has sparked enormous and deeply painful division. The situation is akin, I I think this is apropos, I think this is an insightful comparison. He writes, this situation is akin to a leper severing off his one healthy limb in the name of unifying his body. Meanwhile, of course, the openly schismatic tendencies of the German church, the shameful conduct of pro-abortion politicians, and the repeated um, ambiguities uh, and confusion spread by Father James Martin continue to go unchallenged. For my peers and I, this young man writes, for my peers and I, growing up in the 21st century church, this experience is not unrepresentative of the scandal and corruption to which we have become accustomed. As millennials and members of Generation Z, we grew up being taught to respect and obey our spiritual fathers, only to witness time and again their complete and utter betrayal of that trust. We have sought authentic doctrine and beautiful liturgy, only to be mocked and disdained by the institutional church for daring to question the status quo or rock the boat even when the boat is sinking. We've been called rigid, extreme, uncompassionate, and worse, all because we've had the audacity to ask for real Catholicism, not some half-baked, complacent, pseudo-religious alternative. He continues, lest we forget, the Catholic Church of 2021 faces a situation where two out of three believers in the United States express disbelief in the central mystery of their faith. We face a situation where doctrinal confusion wreaks havoc. Wreaks havoc, heretical preachers run wild, and Rome remains silent. Oh dear, I, I hope to finish this before our second break. Um, you are welcome, beloved, to call in at any time with anything on your heart. We'll take your calls, your texts, and emails after the second break and then have a whole half hour to ourselves. And the toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
This is a segment about small Catholic innovations that made a huge impact. From the OSV Institute for Catholic Innovation, the bread Catholics are known for is the Eucharist. The body of Christ. Rightly so. But I'd wager there's another less special bread that we should also be recognized for. The pretzel. Back in the year 600 AD, Lenten fasting rules were pretty strict. So some monks got creative. They developed a bread recipe that was just flour, water, and salt. Legend has it that the monks wanted to make the bread into a shape that reminded them of Lent. A young monk noticed the way his brothers crossed their arms over their chests while praying, and voila, the pretzel was born. The Latin word for pretzel even means little arms. Aww, how cute. So you can thank Catholic Innovation for pretzels. Learn more about what OSV Institute is doing to inspire and encourage Catholic innovation at osvinstitute.com. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones, to Mother Miriam Live. We are uh, right in the middle of an article by a young graduate of Steubenville University, Clement Clement Harold, Clement Harold, and he's titled it A Time for Anger, and it's his response to um, uh, the Holy Father's motu proprio, Traditionis uh, Custodis, and I continue now. Lest we forget... The Catholic Church of 2021 faces a situation where two out of three believers in the United States express disbelief in the central mystery of their faith. We face a situation where doctrinal confusion wreaks havoc, heretical preachers run wild, and Rome remains silent. We face a situation of a bloated, miasmic, effeminate hierarchy where large swaths of the episcopate have abandoned their duty to save souls and focused their efforts on social justice and worldly approbation instead. We face a situation of old, dying churches with horrendous liturgies and plummeting attendance. We face a situation where, to put it bluntly, the great majority of our bishops have blood on their hands for their utter failure to uphold the right to life through the ballot box. And we face, too, 
a situation where despite lacking the backbone to confront politicians over their pro-abortion stance, Rome has now the audacity to go after one of the only parts of the church actually trying to live out the gospel fully. Those of us who either attend the traditional Latin Mass or are sympathetic to its practice have had enough. And again, I remind you that this young man, Clement Howard, uh, attends a Reverend Novus Ordo Mass. He made that point. And he says, and we're angry. We've had enough and we're angry. It's not just attack. He made the point earlier against the traditional Mass. It's attack against Catholics. He says, we're angry at our cruel, wicked, selfish culture which has crippled families and enslaved individuals in their millions. But even more than that, we're angry at that corrupt idea of religion, that perverted notion of the church, which has allowed all this to go unchallenged. We're angry at our spiritual fathers who have betrayed and hurt us at every turn. We're angry at their complicity in the abuse crisis, their cowardice, in the face of the election and their worldliness in the face of COVID-19. Yes, we need charity. Yes, we need obedience. But we are done with mistaking obedience for a vile, obsequious, dangerous clericalism. And we reject the assumption that true charity precludes a righteous anger. We know our rights and duties as lay people. And we will no longer be afraid to exercise them. And he quotes here from several sources for what he's saying. Stand idly by while these wolves in sheep's clothing seek to deceive and devour our family members and friends. This is not sensationalism, he says. It is a sober assessment of the facts, sorry though they be. Yet we take comfort in the fact that our ultimate allegiance lies not with any particular bishop or even the Pope, but rather with Christ and his mystical body. For this, we must remember, is the church in her true state, the bride of Christ, without spot or wrinkle, unfathomable in her beauty, whose banner continues to fly proudly over the heavenly city above, This is our allegiance, our birthright, and it is for this that we fight. We think here of St. Thomas More, who in his masterpiece, Utopia, observed uh, dryly that the priests on the island were very holy and therefore very few. A thinly veiled critique of the church of his day. Yet it is that same church that he defended to the death, even after his shepherds abandoned him. Such is our calling too. It is with this in mind that I, says this young man, offer the following practical recommendations as a call to arms as much for myself as for the reader. First, he says, I, I second and third and quadruple what he's writing here. What is our answer? What do we need to do? A call to arms. What, what are our weapons? He says, first, we need to grow in prayer. Relationship with God is the most important thing we can do. 
and without it, all of our human efforts are in vain. It is prayer, too, which will better allow us to address the failures in our own lives before being distracted by the problems out there. An uncompromising daily commitment to prayer is a primary necessity for every Christian, and we must pray for the Holy Father and the bishops especially. Second, we need to engage in regular fasting. The evil forces which assail Holy Mother Church today will not be driven out, driven out by prayer alone. The ancient ascetic practice of fasting is also essential. Augustine described it this way. Fasting cleanses the soul, raises the mind, subjects one's flesh to the spirit, renders the heart contrite and humble, scatters the clouds of concupiscence, quenches the fire of lust, enkindles the true light of chastity. Third, he says, we need to practice intentional tithing. If you live in a diocese with an unfaithful bishop, you should stop giving money during the offertory at Mass and start donating to your pastor directly instead. Barring circumstances of exceptional need, moreover, we should all be giving at least 10% of our earnings to support the poor, the pro-life movement, and particularly those movements within the church that remain faithful to her mission. Fourth, we need to take action. Wherever God is calling us to be more radical in our lives, we need to be ready to respond. Whether it be something simple, like installing internet filters for your kids, or something more drastic like switching parishes or moving to join a healthier diocese. Fifth, we need to take seriously our formation. We need to study, to learn the faith, to grow in discipline, maybe take up Latin. And if you have children receiving malformation in school, you need to immediately take them out of school and begin to homeschool and tell your friends and family to do the same. The stakes are simply too high for any of us to be complacent. I love this young man. He's amazing. Finally, sixth, we need to counterattack. Whether we're traditional, charismatic, or somewhere in between, we need to write to our bishops to express our dismay and encourage them to retain the Latin Mass. In those dioceses where the Latin Mass has been maintained, we need to encourage priests to begin celebrating it daily. For those family and friends in diocese where the bishop has cracked down, we need to encourage and help sponsor them to switch dioceses and even move if necessary. To be sure, he says, we live in troubled times, but so did our forefathers in the faith. And in that sense, we are in good company. We can take joy, furthermore, in the knowledge that Christ has already won the war. In the battles which precede that final victory, however, we could do worse than to aspire to be like Gandalf, who, after galloping to Weathertop like a gale, openly confronts six Nazgul, which drew away from me, for they felt the coming of my anger, and they dared not face it while the sun was in the sky. End quote. As the Christ figure Mithrandir, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, observes in another place, quote, 
Courage will now be your best defense against the storm that is at hand. That and such hope as I bring. End quote. In our fight against the principalities and the powers that have taken hold in our beloved church, we should recognize that now is the time for courage, the time for anger, the time for holiness. We got to the end of the article. Um, Clement Harold, uh, I hope I I may have mispronounced it earlier, Clement Harold, H-E-R-R-O-L-D, a native of England, is a recent alumnus of Franciscan University of Steubenville, where he graduated top of his class with a triple major in theology, philosophy, and classics, and a minor in German. Clement, dear one, I don't suppose you're listening to this podcast, but if you are, I'm going to suggest that you contact LifeSite News and Voice of the Family. Um, And uh, I I would love to see you associated with them, Um, especially Voice of the Family. Uh, Just be fantastic to have you on their team. Um, I thank you for this article. And um, again, I want to emphasize that uh, Clement mentioned that he's not, uh, that not that he hasn't attended the traditional Latin Mass, but he, he does not. He attends a Reverend Novus Ordo and wrote this article uh, again, because it's not simply attack against so-called traditionalist Catholics. Uh, I don't call myself a traditionalist. I'm a Catholic. End of story. Um, but he said it's really an attack against Catholics, and, and I believe it. I said yesterday it's an act of violence on the faithful and on the church, on Catholics as a whole. This motu proprio of our Holy Father is an act of violence on the sheep, and I do not believe at all for one moment of it that it's of God. I do not believe that it's of God. I can't comment on the motives or the spiritual condition of our Holy Father. I cannot know that God God does, but it is not from God. Um, again, the sheep know the voice of their shepherd. It's not the voice of uh, any shepherd, let, let alone the voice of our shepherd, the Pope. So um, I don't know what to conclude in that. But we know that the forces of evil are against us and are multiplying within the church and without the church. Without the church, we could deal with it. It's within the church that, um, that the enemy does his worst work because the only way he can really do damage is to enter inside, as Pope Paul VI said, the smoke of Satan has already entered the church. If he enters and divides from within, that's how he breaks up the family breaks up the church, um, uh, really uh, wounds God's people and his design. Uh, Don't lose heart, beloved. God has put us on earth for such a time as this. He chooses when we are to be born, and I am just as privileged as ever to be alive in this time and to have the truth that the entire world needs. Um, We must not keep it to ourselves in any way. There's the music for our break, beloved. We'll come back from the break and take your calls, your emails, and your texts. The toll-free number is uh, 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. 
Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together, and our lines are wide open, and you're welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart, um, the matter of the heart. Um, uh, now, what? Am, I lost the statement. The heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. So anything that's on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-515-483, or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We have a question from Gail, who writes, I recently heard the term sacerdotalism used to describe the role that a priest plays as a communicator between God and man. Can you explain this term any further for me, please? Um, it comes that I've understood from the French word for priest, which is sacerdos. Uh, that's having to do with sacer, sacred. And so sacerdos is means priest, and sacerdotalism uh, has to do with the, um, uh, the, the, the mediation, uh, as you say, of um, uh, the mediation between man and God. A priest, um, a prophet, uh, the Old Testament prophets brought God to men. Uh, God spoke through the prophets to reach men. A priest brings man to God. And we come to God through the priest, 
through the sacraments, all of that, through his prayers. We go to God directly ourselves also, um, but he brings again in the highest form of prayer, which is the Mass. Um, Christ is present, and we can offer ourselves with him, through him, and in him on the altar with the priest. So it's, it's the understanding that the priest is high and holy and brings us to God. Um, let's see now. We have a text from someone who writes it anonymously and says, Hi, Mother Miriam. Our family just recently lost a beloved pet of 15 years. My children have asked me what happens to animals when they die. How can I answer this in a way that comforts them but also reinforces the faith? Oh, dear. Um... I think we need to teach children the difference between the animals and human beings. Animals are not made in the image of God. They're not made to live forever as we are. Um, And so God gives animals to us for a time on earth, um, but it is not doctrine uh, that we will, um, that they will be in heaven with us. So when they die... Um, we put them in the hands. We know that they're in the hands of a loving God who gave them to us for a time, and now we give them back to God. That's what I would say um, in his love. We would do that. Let me just see. Um, Let me just type something in here. Um, I'm looking at a little article on um, Catholic Answers. Um, Are pets allowed into heaven? And... um, uh, the answer says, in order to answer the question, we must first divine heaven, define heaven. According to the catechism, heaven is a state of supreme, definitive happiness that involves a perfect communion of life and love with the Trinity, with the Virgin Mary, the angels, and all the blessed. The definitive state of human happiness and communion of life and love presupposes the powers of rational knowledge and love which animals do not have. Therefore, no non-human animal would be able to experience heaven as defined. Perhaps our pets won't exist in heaven in the sense of experiencing the beatific vision, but could they simply exist in the new heaven and the new earth? Well, we know from the natural light of human reason that the pets we have now will not exist in the new heaven and the new earth. Earth, the souls that animals have are entirely dependent on their material makeup. As such, they do not continue to exist after bodily death as human souls do. Therefore, all animals that die before the advent of Christ's second coming will not exist in the new heaven and the new earth. Earth. Um, let me just read, skim down here further. Uh, the church has never given definitive teaching whether animals in general will exist in the new heaven and the new earth. Um, there are arguments, some think they will, some think they won't, um, and so forth. But he says the bottom line is that we know for sure that whatever pets die before the advent of the new creation, they will not be there. But concerning the question of animals in general, that is ultimately unanswerable given the contents of divine revelation. Um, 
Okay. And we can look further there. Go to Catholic.com and it's going to um, refer you to yet another article on this. Um, So again, um, uh, we need human reasoning, which animals do not have. Um, And so they they don't suffer. They just cease to exist um, once they die. Um, And they deteriorate and they, they, they don't have a soul that goes on to be with God. All right. I know there are people who are very distressed by this and disagree. Um, I would never be able to come to an answer myself, which is why I go to Catholic.com and other um, wiser, more authoritative sources. We have an email, a text rather, from Lance who says, Mother, I often struggle to find the courage to confess my most serious sins to a priest. Is there any advice you could offer me as to how to make the process of confession less intimidating? Well, may a couple of things come to mind, Lance. Um, first, I know it can be intimidating before a human being, a priest who's a man, a human being. Um, you certainly can go to a priest who doesn't know you or know your voice. Uh, if you don't wish to be known, uh, I did that early on when I was a Catholic. I went cross town because I didn't want uh, the priest of my parish to know my sins. That's That's how... Um, prideful I was, but it's humiliating. I didn't want him to know, so I went across town, and the first sin I I confessed was the sin of going across town. I said, Father, the first thing I want to confess is I came across town to have confession here because I didn't want the priest to know my voice and know my sins. And he said, no, it's not a sin. He said, the church provides for... uh, truly private confession where nobody has to know who you are. So I felt, I felt better there. So Lance, to begin with, um, you can go to any priest of any church who doesn't know you and confess your sins behind a screen. And that will be a little less intimidating because he won't know who you are. Um, the other thing is to remember that you, though you confess to a man, you're confessing to our Lord Jesus Christ through that priest. And that when that priest says, I absolve you, he's not saying those words. It is Christ alone who forgives sins. And it's Christ who says, I absolve you through the instrumentality of that priest. Uh, I can't imagine that once a priest is a priest for two years, that there's anything new he's going to hear. There's nothing new under the sun. And so... Um, Uh, He may be shocked, he may not, don't worry about it, but it is Christ who hears you, and it is Christ who forgives you through that priest. Um, And the priest, I've mentioned this before, who led me into the church, said that the priest does his most important work when he's not himself, and that's in the confessional. When he says, I absolve you, for all intents and purposes, he doesn't exist. It's God... uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the high priest. He is the one who forgives. Same thing at the Mass. When the priest says, this is my body, this is my blood, if we could see what our faith understands, we wouldn't see the priest, because at that point, uh, he's almost irrelevant. It is Christ who says, this is my body, this is my blood, through the priest. Um, And he truly becomes Christ. So um, that's... um, 
that's what I would um, think about. Um, there was something else I had in mind, Lance, um, and I can't think of it, but, oh, here it is. Suppose you picture yourself becoming a priest. I've thought of myself being a priest. Women can't be priests, so I don't go very far with it. But I thought, wow, if I were a priest, what I would give to be in that confessional, to pour out God's mercy on everyone who came. Father, forgive me I've, because I've sinned. It's been 40 years since my last confession. Oh, the, the, the happiness of that prodigal son or prodigal daughter coming back to God. It's so beautiful, Lance. Father Groeschel, who's no longer alive, but he uh, said that if he were given the choice to be blind so that he could not celebrate the Holy Eucharist or to be deaf so that he could not hear confessions, he would choose to be blind. In other words, he would choose to hear confession over consecrating the Blessed Sacrament. That's astounding. But that's the heart of a priest in the confessional. So... I would say, just go, dear one. And again, if you were a priest and you had the opportunity on the other side of that confessional screen to tell people that they are forgiven and loved and absolved and take a hundred-pound burden off their back, I think you would love that. Uh, I think you would love it. And so think about that. Uh, Jesus it is who waits for you in that confessional. Okay. We have an email from Matthew who says, do you have any explanation as to why so many church leaders have become open to the idea of homosexuality and LGBTQ? I understand the desire to include everyone and love the sinner, but I simply cannot comprehend this based on what I've always been taught about how the church feels about these matters. It's not how the church feels. It's what our Lord has said. Homosexuals, Apostle Paul wrote it uh, to the Corinthians, homosexuals, murderers, slanders will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, People, lot, uh, the whole city was put to death because of their sin of homosexuality. Uh, It's worthy of death. It is a grave, grave sin. Why many church leaders have become open to the idea of homosexuality and LGBTQ is because they've, if they ever had faith, they've lost it. They've lost their faith and have turned from God and have turned from their mission of saving souls. It's awful. Everyone is welcome, but you're welcome not to a social gathering. You're welcome to repent and give your life to God. So it's, it's a tragedy, Matthew. It's a tragedy, and it's the reason, a uh, huge reason for the church being in the awful state that it is. Um, no church leader should become open to the idea of homosexuality and LGBTQ. They become o- open to the idea, then, of souls being cast into hell. No bishop who's a true bishop would be open to that. We have an email from Kate who writes, Hi, Mother Miriam. I hope you and the sisters are doing, are enjoying Beloit. We are, dear Kate. Thank you. Um, Kate writes, I'm wondering if there are any types of religious spiritual retreats that you could recommend to someone who is trying to improve their relationship with God. Life has been stressful in the past year or so, and I feel it would be beneficial for me to get away for a while 
but not necessarily for a casual vacation. I'm looking for something that would allow me to relax, but also place my faith as the central focus. Please let me know if you have any ideas in Christ. Kate, Kate, we'll come back uh, with your email after the break. Um, and until then, you're all welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free, one 811 Oh, I'm sorry. I missed it. Hold on. one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Beloved, this is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. be to Jesus. Hi, this is Joe McLean, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show, joining you on the Station of the Cross each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. That's the Catholic Drive Time, weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. We'll see you then. May God love you. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, Love in Truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment, and you've got 10 minutes plus uh, to call in if there's anything on your heart that you wish at one 511 5483 or email at mother at We have an email from Kate who writes, Hi, Mother Miriam. I hope you and the sisters are enjoying Beloit. We indeed are. I'm wondering if there are any types of religious slash spiritual retreats that you could recommend to someone 
who was trying to improve their relationship with God. Life has been stressful the past year or so, and I feel like it would be beneficial for me to get away for a while, but not necessarily for a casual vacation. I'm looking for something that would allow me to relax, but also place my faith in the central focus. Please let me know if you have any ideas in Christ, Kate. Kate, um, it's not easy for me to answer that question because... um, uh, there are retreats that I've heard in general, but run by different people, and sometimes one is good and the other is not. Um, there, uh, of course, there are this, the Ignatius spiritual retreats. Uh, there are four-day retreats, eight-day retreats, and 30-day retreats. Um, if you can look into an eight-day retreat, Ignatius eight-day retreat, just type it in on a search engine, and um, they often uh, do run during the summer, especially. Um, and you could see what priest is running um, one uh, or where there are retreats. They're, they're overnight. You usually will go into the country or someplace for a week. And uh, they're usually silent retreats, which is very helpful. And then you have a priest leading you through the spiritual exercises. That's one thought I have. Um, some, t- some of the religious orders offer retreats, um, again, silent, they'll have guest rooms and, uh, times can, um, uh, put you together with one of their priests for spiritual direction during that time. Um, I don't know offhand. I wonder if the Institute, uh, on religious life, IRL might help with that. Some take a look and uh, give them a call and see if they might be able to help with um, uh, that kind of good, profitable getaway for you, Kate. God bless you. We have a text from someone who writes in anonymously and says, any news for your oblates? Well, dear oblate, whoever has written this, my heart goes out to you, and I apologize to so many oblates. The last time any of you heard from me was, uh, I was going to say last year, because at Christmas, you got our Christmas newsletter, but I don't recall that we wrote a separate newsletter for the Oblates. You simply got our general newsletter. Um, and so I haven't even put out a regular newsletter since we've moved to Beloit. We're working on it now, and I apologize. Be patient. I know many of, most of you have been patient, and um, we will put out a new letter to Oblates. We have some exciting news for the Oblates, and we'll put it all into a letter um, and mail it together with a general newsletter, and probably within the next uh, month or two. Okay, God bless you. Uh, we have an email from Colin who says, I have a question for you, Mother. I'm currently discerning religious life as a Carmelite monk, and I was hoping to see if you might have any counsel around discerning well with a sincere heart, as well as any practical steps regarding being abandoned to God's will. Thank you, Colin. Pardon me for that big yawn. Um... Cole and I would say, if you do not have a spiritual director, a good holy priest as a spiritual director, I would say that would be the first step, to have a spiritual director. Let him get to know you uh, and affirm um, what 
it seems to him also as God's calling and to help you to follow that path. That would be uh, very important for you not to be alone in this discernment. Um, of course, if you're able to visit uh, for discernment retreats or for a few days, a few weeks at a time, a Carmelite uh, monasteries, the priests there can also help you with your discernment. Um, my favorite saint in the world is St. Francis de Sales, and he has a book titled Finding God's Will for You by St. Francis de Sales. You can get it just about any bookstore or online, um, Finding God's Will for You. And I remember he, he outlines seven ways that will assist you in finding God's will. Um, and then on um, being abandoned to God, Probably the best book is is um, what is there. It is um, I've read it and I love it. Let me see. Uh, uh, no, abandonment to divine providence. That's what it is. John de Quesade. Abandonment to divine providence. Try to get that book. Um, just abandon yourself to the will of God. And if you want God's will above your very breath, above all things. You won't have to worry about having it one day. You're already in it. If you have such desire to abandon yourself to the will of God, then you're already in his will. Even if you don't know what it is, he's preparing you for what he has. We have an email from Melissa who writes, Dearest Mother Miriam, you've been a great consolation in this age of the church. Thank you, Melissa. I look to you for guidance to hear our Lord in my heart. As many of your children have expressed, I am deeply confused as to how to handle the immoral decisions and lifestyles of those close to me. I keep hearkening to the scriptures, although not sure which book they're from, about how, if you are in close relationship with someone like a family member and you know they are gravely sinning, then we have a responsibility to admonish the behavior or else the blood is on us too. I feel possibly incorrectly that as I learn the truth about what is happening in the church and in the world, that I have a responsibility to be the messenger to bring that to others. I have heard you say to others that at this point, everything is available to all and we should just keep our peace. I don't know what you're saying here. Everything... I've heard you say to others that at this point, everything is available to all and we should just keep our peace and not labor the issue. I'm paraphrasing, so I might be incorrectly understanding you. I really don't know what you're saying there, dear one. I'll go on with her email. Internally, I feel that I should send articles or videos to my family who have altogether betrayed Christ. They are listening to fake news and mainstream sources, not places that are doing actual science research and investigations. How do I reconcile my duty, as I feel it is, to share the truth and not be silent? I feel silence has gotten us into the predicament, um, and I don't want to perpetuate it. Well, let me just, there's another paragraph here. Let me just respond so far. Um, the best definition I've ever heard of evangelization, which is the process of giving the truth to others, the good news to others, is one beggar 
telling another beggar where to get bread. And if you consider yourself a beggar telling you those in your family uh, where to get bread, then there'll be no pride, there'll be no argument, there'll be no attitude. You won't be teaching them, you won't be instructing them. You'll tell them where there's food for life, where you found it. It'll be very personal. You won't send them videos. You'll go and make a hundred mile trip and be on your knees before them and say, I found bread and I want to tell you where it is. Um, there's the ending uh, music for our closing music for our program, uh, Melissa. So we're going to um, uh, open up tomorrow, uh, our second half hour with your email and we'll continue to go through it. God bless all of you. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. God bless you.